Amen. I guess it's because it's picked me up out of the mire. Save my soul. I marvel at the ignorance of people about the Bible. You may not agree with me what I'm saying about ignorance, and I don't count you ignorant here. But I say that this morning. I go everywhere. I've heard all kinds of things. I'm, I marvel. I'm, I'm amazed every time I go out and talk to somebody about the Lord that they'll ask me things or even comment, and I say, actually, I don't even know what you're talking about. And they'll tell me something, and I say, oh, no, that's not what that means. And they say, well, that's what my mama taught me. That's what my grandma said. Sometimes they'll say, that's what the preacher said. And I hate to, I, I hate to have to contend with that. Amen. We just take the Word of God for what it is and we'll go from there. We go into the second chapter of the book of Titus this morning. And I pray this book of Titus will help us. I'm going to do a verse-by-verse verse study down through it, not completely, just, uh, just to show you what's there. I'm going to come back and preach the other things. Because I've got one verse in particular I want to spend our time on. And I pray that it will be a help and a strength and encouragement to your heart. It will be something that you need that God can use. My job here this morning is to try to inform you. Amen. And then it's for you to take it and apply it. And, uh, you know, sometimes we try to, after I inform you, you try to reform you. But what I preach it for is so that God can transform you. If you're not transformed by the Word of God, I failed. Or you've, I can't say the Holy Spirit failed. I can't say the Bible fails because they don't. I can say then it's either I failed in not telling you the truth or you failed in trying to reform yourself. If you try to reform yourself, you're not going to do any good any more than you have. Because you're going to reform yourself the way you want to be reformed. You want you to do it. And I say the Word of God has got to work in your heart. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. I pray the Lord might have His way. Would you stand please and let's read three or four verses. We won't read all these. I just get myself a fellow told me one time said you just used the Bible for a springboard. What do you mean? He said well you just get a certain verse and take off with it. You don't stay on course. And I said well I tell you what. When God calls you, you do it the way you want to do it or the way God tells you to do it and let's leave me alone. Amen. I don't, I don't have no time to argue with these folks about this stuff. Now, in Titus chapter number 2, the Bible said, Amen. Let me get my glasses. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Let that sink in a minute. Sound doctrine. Somebody said, Preacher, what kind of doctrine? Sound doctrine. Amen. He said that the aged men, that's the old men, not necessarily an age, but it's those who are 
I do know that these young people, 20-something years old, knows a lot about the Bible, but they some is 75 like me that don't know nothing. But God's talking about the aged men, those who have been in the church long enough to know better than what they're doing and know the answers when you give, it, give them the question. And God is saying here that the aged men likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Amen. Now, if you follow these, and we'll talk about that in a minute, I'll make a better man out of you. Old men sometimes get unbearable, hard to live around. Didn't even get amen on that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> amen. Huh? Where you wrong verse? Did I? What the, oh, I went down below it, didn't I? That's why I didn't get amen. Well, well, amen. I, I, I say, thank God. I'm glad I read the wrong verse. Now I feel better. Y'all give me the answers. I looked away from it and couldn't find it when I went back, I reckon. All right, we want to look at verse 2. That the aged men be what? Sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, sound in the charity, sound in patience. Now, ain't what it said. It said in faith, in charity, in patience. It means the same thing. I'm not adding to the Word of God. I just want you to get it all. Then he goes on, he changes the subject again. The aged women, old women. Except I don't like to call women old women. They don't like to be called old women. Men don't pay much attention to it, but women do. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not giving to much wine, teachers of good things. And that's what I was trying to tell the men. That they may what? Teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. This is not what I'm preaching on this morning in particular. I'm glad because I need to come back and preach that. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Amen. Now let's talk about the old men the old women, and the young men. I read this the other day. Matter of fact, I've read it for years, but, and I got to looking. It don't say nothing about the young women. Then the young women ain't supposed to do nothing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The old women are supposed to teach them. You know what you're supposed to do? You're sitting at the feet of mother and do what she's told you to do and show you how to do. I'll talk about that when I preach on it, all right? Verse 7, In all as young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. That's mentioned quite a few times there. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. 
For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath given, who, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. How peculiar are you? Does your peculiarities align with the word of God? Zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, not let no man despise thee. Now you be seated and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God. We thank you, Lord, for the church. We thank you for the people of God who know you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. We pray, God, you open the windows of heaven this morning, pour us out a blessing, stir our hearts, our minds, and our souls. I pray that the Son of God may, may be manifested. Sin conviction on that that's not saved, that has never called upon you, that has never repented. Lord, they've trusted other things. They've uh, tried to live their own life. And Lord, they realize today that if they died, they'd go to hell. I pray, God, if they don't realize that, that the Holy Ghost in this message will show them that. And I pray, God, you'd send conviction from heaven. Lord, not from down the road, but from heaven. I pray, God, that their heart might be troubled. The Word of God is supposed to trouble their minds and send conviction. And I pray, God, that the Holy Ghost was hover over every soul in this building. And when we leave, may we know that we've been preached to and the truth's been told. And Lord, that we can get things right in our life. Lord, we fail. We know we fail. We were miserable wretches, God, in this place today. And I pray God would help, uh, be helped by the preaching of the Word of God. Forgive us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I want to look at this this morning. I want to really major down... In verse 12 and 13, about the second coming of the Lord. And that's what we ought to be looking for. Some people don't look for it. I get up every morning and say, Lord, you didn't come last night. I pray you come today. How long has it been since you prayed? Now, you don't. this is not for grinding axes. This is not this morning to try to put you on the spot. But how often do you pray like John? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It ought to be often. Uh, you said, oh, last month I prayed that I got in the tight. No, I'm talking about every day. We ought to be praying that. But many books in this King James Bible, which I love, will tell you how to be saved. You'd find many books out of the 66. It talks about the new birth, that we've got to be born again. That's number one in everybody's life in this room, or at least should be. I didn't ask you this morning how good you are, what makes you think you're good, but I'm asking you now, have you been born again? That was the number one theme in Jesus' life when He walked on this earth. People didn't understand that. Amen. I'm going to throw something at you. Uh, if Jesus is such a great person, and He is, if he was the Messiah they said he was, and he is, why did the disciples walk with him for 33 
and a half years, especially in his ministry for three and a half. People around him must have recognized he is the son of God when he's a little boy. Some did. Some didn't count that, didn't look at it. But he had 12 disciples and at the end of the journey, he had already preached to them and said this, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it again. And they said, give us a sign. He said, there's no sign given but Jonas and the whale. Whereas Jonas was in the whale's belly for three days and three nights. So must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And they done like Baptists that I preach to all the time. I don't know what he meant. What did he say? Disciples kept walking with him. Listen to this. The next thing you know, he's standing before them being accused of being full of Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And he's been accused of blaspheming. He says he's God. And we know he's not God. People all around him, Pharisees, Sadducees, the Herodians, all of them. And even his disciples could not get the context of it. Now listen to me. The next thing you know, they crucify him on an old rugged tree. Who was at his birth or his death? The only disciple that I know was there in person was John with his mother, with Jesus' mother, Mary. Right? Why was Peter? Out yonder somewhere cursing and saying, I know not the man. But yet they say, is it I that's going to deceive you or going to betray you? Right? You got me? Where was Peter? Where was James? Where were the others? They were gone. He died on the cross. It broke their world. It broke their life. They were looking for somebody besides Jesus. They didn't think He would die. They didn't recognize the full extent. Listen, people in the Baptist church don't even recognize the full extent of what they need to know about Jesus. He might come. He could come, but I'm not real sure where he's going to or not. People have been preaching that for all my life, preacher. They've been saying things like that. So, it's proven out it's not right. The Jehovah's Witnesses come through one day and they said we're the 144,000. It's going to be sealed with the seal of God. Therefore, that's what they preach. Now, some of y'all look like, I didn't know that. But they'll come to your door and you'll have a conversation with them. 
And they'll have a Bible study, and I've even had Baptists to tell me, and I've been pastoring sometimes. They'll say, boy, they had a good Bible study. I sure enjoyed it. <laughs> you know what I want to do? Turn them around to the door. I don't. But that's what I'd like to do. Why? They don't even believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Amen. They'll tell you that He's a God. He said, go away from me, I cry, I weep. Because God has told us what He is and who He is. And they don't even... Do you know what God does in heaven when we don't obey His Word? He proved it to us in the Word of God. He wept over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I would as thou, you know. He wanted them to hear Him. He wept over them. I was just wondering how many times God weeps over you now, breaks His heart when He sees you go against the Word of God. I raised children. There was times my boys and my daughter didn't know I was laying on my bed with tears running down my face onto my pillow because they had did something that I didn't agree with. It wasn't, oh, they didn't kill nobody. They didn't rob no bank or nothing. But they disobeyed the Word of God. Every parent in here knows what I'm talking about right now. Every husband in here has wept over his wife, if he's anything at all. And every wife has wept over their husband, if she's anything at all. Your husband's fixing to do something and you're praying, oh God, please don't let him do it. I don't believe it's the right thing. It may be the right thing and you don't understand. Then you have to pray behind it. Oh Lord, if it is right, show me it's right. We all have them burdens. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of things that we think we know. We've been taught that we know and we even say that we know. But now let's go back to where I was. What happened? Jesus is on the cross of Calvary. Peter, James, and John, which I call is the inner circle disciples. There's eight of them. They're just mediocre. They're just plain old mediocre babies. And one of them was a devil. Judas Iscariot. But there's three right on the top of the line. How come none of them were there? Judas has done gone out and hanged himself. The eight mediocres, this is doing something to take care of their business. And the three who I call the, I mean, the, the inner circle disciples, they were right there everywhere Jesus went, they went with him. He very seldom done anything without them. Where were they? You said they wasn't at the cross. Well, why wasn't it the cross? If they'd been following Him for three and a half years and loved Him as much as they said they loved Him and worshipped Him and wanted Him as much as they uh, said they wanted Him, you'd think they'd have followed Him to the last bit and they'd have said, if you're going to crucify Him, crucify me too. Getting quiet. That's right. Where were they? That's away from him. 
Why? They didn't believe him. You said, preacher, they did. Okay. On the third day, where were they? Destroy this temple, this body, and in three days I'll raise it again. And they all thought, this is the temple of Herod. It took 40 and 6 years to build, and he's going to destroy it. Had their mind in the temple. Had their mind on the earthly. Their mind was not on Jesus Christ as the blessed Son of God. Now they're typified or typical of Christians. That's right. Wouldn't you call his disciples other than Judas? Because God come along and he's built the church on the entire foundation of the apostles. And these are the disciples that became apostles. Just makes sense. Y'all are taking it in like you ain't heard this, but I'm I'm gonna try to help you out. Where were they? They're taking care of their own business. Even Mary and the other Mary on the resurrection morning. Not not Mary the mother, but the other Marys. They run down on the third day. To watch him arise. What? Say it again, Brother Bill. To prepare the body for burial. The Jews believe that the Spirit can stay inside the body for at least three days. That's why Jesus didn't rise Lazarus from the dead Till the fourth day. He wanted to know that he's raising a body that is normally thought of actually being dead. He could show it that it was the hand of God. So they went down there, not to listen. You would have thought if you'd have believed him that he's going to die. And he's going to the graveyard and on the third day he's going to rise. You'd think that every single one of them would be standing there. They may not get close because the soldier's there. But they'd be at this background somewhere watching. I do not know where they were when Christ rose from the dead. But I know they were not at the tomb. And them two women didn't go down there to watch him rise. They went down there to administer the stuff for burial. But when they went in, the stones, matter of fact, they said on their way, who's going to raise a roll of stone away? And when they got there, they found out that an angel had already moved the stone. And when they went in, there were some angels had come down, not to get him out, but they come down there to prove that he was the Son of God. And they went in and found out he's not there and the napkins just taken away from him. He, he, he took time to fold them up. You said, what kind of type is that? Have you ever went to these restaurants and they'll bring out these little cloth and napkins. I'm used to getting a paper towel or a special little old napkin and I, I sometimes eat whatever I'm eating and if it's messy, when I get through, there's a big pile of napkins laid there. But he took time to take, and it wasn't from eating, but the napkins they put, he took time to fold them up. 
and lay them in place. He said, I won't need them anymore. And they're standing there looking at those women seeing that. And the angel said, what are you here for? He said, we come to anoint his body for burial. Well, why seek you the living among the dead? He's alive. He's alive forevermore. He raised himself from the dead. What you doing here? Amen. He don't need this place. It's empty. Go tell the disciples that he's risen. What a shock them two ladies had. They run back into town when he got back over there. Peter, Peter, Peter. See, it seemed like they you know, had to check him out. What you doing? Hey, come see him. He's alive. He's alive. You'd have thought they'd all been down there with the bugles and the horns and everything else and clapping their hands and saying, Glory to God. I told you. Amen. But they couldn't tell him because they didn't believe him. Now, why did I mention that? Because I'm telling people every day, Jesus is coming, and He's coming soon. Ah, oh, heard that 20 years ago. Well, I've been preaching it for 50 years. I'm as excited now about it as I've ever been. More excited when I see everything coming, shaping up. He said, when you see the armies encamping round about Jerusalem, lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. And everybody's been seeing all that. And Show me where the armies are encamping around Jerusalem yet. They're closer than they've ever been. We're thinking about the wars, the rumors of war. We're looking at it from... Listen, that Scripture's written to the Jew. That's why I keep my eyes on the Jew. Jews were not in their homeland yet. I know I just lit a fuse on a piece of dynamite and throw it at you. And I just exploded your world. Let's see, I'm trying to think of I'm tip. No, can't think of his. I can't think. But they wrote a book on the late great planet Earth. Y'all know his name, I guess. If you ever read that, back in seventy-two. No, I guess not. Okay. He wrote it. Told about Jesus coming. Nineteen seventy-two. Nineteen seventy-three. They come out and said the rapture is going to take place. When I was just young, starting off to preach, and I've been preaching the second coming for years. And they said, it's any moment. It's preeminent. It's close. It's at hand. Brother Walter Burrow preached it many times, did he not? Didn't he? He was like me. He didn't give no date on it. I don't like date setters. He didn't come in 72, 73. Somebody else wrote a, wrote a book on 78, uh, 76, I think it was. Somewhere along there. And then this fellow wrote that book on 1988, taking that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. How many has heard that verse? Probably misconstrued it. 
They said Israel went back to the homeland in 1948 and she's become a nation. The devil does everything he can to keep you confused. Then we look at that and they come out. Oh yeah, a generation is 30. So they added 30 to it. In 78 he's coming. Well, he didn't come in 78. And they said, well, in a generation is 40. We thought he was 30, but there's something else. And they figured out another verse and throwed it at you and said, oh, it's going to be 88. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. And that fellow collected a lot of money, sold a lot of books. Did Jesus come in 1988? No. The Jehovah's Witness said he come in 1917, I think it is. Some figure like that. And I said to one another, how come you, there's more of you now than 144,000. How come you got more? They don't even have theirs right. He didn't come. 1917. So, he didn't come in 1988. So the same guy, I've read this up, study it. He said, I've got another book. 89 reasons why he's coming in 1989. And he sold the books to another same crowd. Looked like they'd have got enough the first time. I don't know where he's at now. Probably in Jamaica somewhere. I don't know. He may be dead. So people after that decided, no, he's not coming. He's not coming. I've heard this all my life. And the Bible said, well, they're coming along to a call scoffers. In the book of Peter. Well, I've heard this all my life. He's not come. And we got scoffers running up and down the country. Even Baptists. Some of you may even be saying the same thing. I, I know a fellow that I talked to three or four, maybe five years ago. They used to be one of my members and I was his pastor and he, he's talking to me on the phone and I said, you know, I'm looking for Jesus any day. He said, you know, he may not come for another hundred years. Back yonder when I was in his life in 1970 something, he was talking about the coming of the Lord. Any day now. He's done changed. So what happened? People quit looking at it. Uh, they won't listen to you about the generation is such and such. They don't go by that scripture no more. The reason is, that's not what you go by. I'm going to clear up some of this. I done got detail. I ain't looked at my notes. I'm doing what God tells me to do. Listen. So, they hadn't come. He hadn't come. What'd they do? They quit looking at it. When I was a young fella, I was down in uh, New Hope Baptist Church in the early 70s when all this was going on. We had 17 preachers in there and everybody thought they had the message every time and we'd go out. Brother, did you know we'd preach on the second coming? We was excited about the second coming. We was talking about the Lord coming today. Maybe the Lord coming tonight. The Lord didn't come last night. Maybe He'll come today. I'll see you here, there, or in the air. That was our theme. And very seldom I hear a Christian today say, hope the Lord comes pretty quick. I'm going to tell you it's going to be kind of dry on you when you get there. 
If you go. Because he said there's a crown of righteousness. But not only for me, but to all who love His appearing. You ought to be loving His appearing and watching for it every single day. Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus. We're to lift our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. We ought to be looking for Him any day. I'd like to see Him come right now before I get through. I don't have to go to the house to get anything. I put everything in my pocket when I left this morning. And I'm on need. Hear me. Now some of y'all sitting here looking. I done got you so confused. You'll throw your beans up today when you get off the table. Some of you are saying things that you don't can't even reason. But why weren't they there when Jesus was crucified. They wasn't looking for Him. They was looking for a King. They were not looking for a Savior. They couldn't figure that in. They thought He was the one that's going to deliver. And they're a type of the saints of God. Not the church. Now listen. Why weren't they there at the resurrection? If somebody you'd worked for for the last three and a half years, you'd watch them raise the blind, uh, raise the dead, touch the blind eyes, and touch the deaf ears, and all that, the lame legs. If you looked at that and you saw it, and you'd say, "He must be real." If he's real, I want to see everything. I ain't going to let him out of my sight. I'm just seeing people look. I watch you when I preach. I'm looking at you and you're saying, I don't understand what he's talking about. You know why? Because he's out of some of your sight. That's right. You're not watching him today. You're not looking for him today. But I'm going to go on record to tell you he's coming. In an hour you think not, he's coming. I don't believe it is, I believe it's, when I say right up front, I believe it's close. And he could come today. I have no scripture tell me he couldn't. I don't know anything he'd have to do that he couldn't do in a split second. There's some things ain't shaped up yet, but they could shape up for dark. They could shape up for dinner. And we're sitting here saying, and our minds are so far away from what he wants out of our life. And our lives are so far away from what this book says we'd be doing. I was fixing to preach on that. I'll just have to do it again another time. So what's happened? What's happened? They didn't show up because they didn't believe he was going to come out of the ground. If they had believed it, I'd have been standing there. And brother, they'd have been hauling me off to jail. When I was clapping my hands and said, Glory to God, that's my Savior. That's my Lord. Amen. He just come out of the tomb. He's not dead anymore. Hallelujah. You talk about a, a fanatic. I've been fanatic just about it. And I ain't seen him come from the grave, but I read about it. Are you with me? Now, let me finish up another little thing. I get busy and head off in the wrong direction. I leave you hanging. I don't mean to do that. 
You remember I said a while ago that the Jews are not in their homeland? <laughs> God ain't put them there yet. Nations have put them there. Armies have put them there. Man has paid the price. And man has put them in the little land. And this morning, coming to church, I was listening, and it says that they're wanting to take them off the West Bank. And the Muslims are going to... When I say Muslims, I'm talking about... What is that? Jihad? The, what is them? They got all them names of them people. I don't know their names. They got little warnings. Amen. See, you ain't been reading it either. Hamas, that's one of them. There's four or five of them like that. And they're coming out of Syria. And those places, and they come actually from Ishmael. Which, I better shut up, that's another message. But I'm telling you, what's happening is down the road, every nation in the Bible says it, that those Jews are going back into the homeland. They're not there. Did you know the Jews have never been in the homeland that God promised Abraham? They've been all around it and parts of it. It goes up into Iraq. There's, that little old place where they're at right now is not enough room to store all the, the Jews in the world. It's just about the size of New Jersey. The new Jersey, whatever they say, they say it's funny. Hear me? So what's going to happen? God's going to have a roundup one day, and He's going to make every nation decide that the Jewish nation, and that's where anti-Semitism comes in. I wouldn't have believed that before COVID. COVID made the world change. Never would have believed anything would have done that. It was it was the part to tell. So one of these days, every nation is going to get rid of the Jew. They want to kill him. Every nation is going to get to the place they want to kill the Jew. You're a crazy preacher. Leave me alone. I won't have to take an aspirin this evening. I'll sleep tonight like a baby. You ain't seeing it. I can't help it. I can't make you see it. All I can do is tell you. But one of these days, some Jews will move out of New York. They'll come out of Russia. They'll come out of uh, China. They'll come out. I don't know where China's got any Jews. No, they probably have. But there's China, there's everyone. they're going to decide when it gets rough in the world and they're going to start being persecuted again and they start uh, trying to kill them and there will be a decree to kill them. Now, I don't know the details of this. I'm not, I'm, actually, I'm not going to be here telling you something I'm not going to see. But God's going to move them Jews back into the homeland. Then you can say, this generation will not pass. You can take that Matthew 24. They've been preaching it for what? 50 years? And it ain't happened yet? If that Matthew 24 is right about this generation, according to the way we've got it figured, a generation must be 
marked like it was in the days of Noah. But it's not. Now some of you didn't get that. Hear me. I'm preaching this morning my heart out to tell you that we hadn't seen it all yet. Them Jews are heading back to the homeland. When they get to the homeland, they're going to be met by the Lord. I'll guarantee you this, and they're going to have to choose if they're going to receive Him or reject Him. And the ones that receive Him, they'll be the ones that take the mark of the beast. And God's going to have them a place in the wilderness that those who will not receive that, and He's going to take them into the wilderness. Read that. In the wilderness. I, I did this in my Bible study the other day. I just touched a little bit. They're going to go back to that homeland. They're going to choose Christ. And they're going to go with Him. And God's going to protect them. Just like He did. And I can give you Scripture after Scripture. Just like He did with the Israelites in the wilderness. He's going to feed them. He's going to clothe them. He's going to take care of them. And then He put His feet on the Mount of the Olives. And He's going to come in. And He's going to ride in on the white horse. And put His feet out there. And He's going to have the battle of Armageddon. Now until then, we're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. And it's fought by the Gentiles. Remember, we're living in a day of the Gentile. Romans 11, is it 10.25 or 11.25? One of those. Or 9.25. It's one of those. And it's going to happen until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Christ is not in the control. The Gentiles are. We're in a Gentile world domination. But one day it's going to be the Lord Jesus. Y'all probably want to skin me and throw me on a train to get out of here, but I'm telling you the truth. I tried to open it up like it. I've been pinching at it, throwing you little nuggets here and there. And I just decided this morning, I'll just tell you. And the little nuggets you haven't paid much attention to. Hey, somebody said our be- the better days are coming at the rapture. That's right. Not until. Remember God didn't tell the church it's going to go through tribulation? He did. He's told us we're not going through it. He told the Jews... They're going through tribulation. He didn't tell the church. We're going to get ruptured out of this mess. I said, boy, we got ourselves a plain 100% heretic. Better be careful. You better measure what I'm preaching. You better prove it. Of course, I'll just give you enough to confuse you. Amen. If you want to stay, we'll take two more hours and I'll straighten it out. Some of you left stuff on the stove so you can't stay. Some of you got something else you have to do this evening so you can't stay. I told you I got everything put in my pocket and I come over here. Amen. But I'm going to have mercy on you. I get on these subjects, and brother, I, I love preaching. You ought to come over to my house a few times. I have meeting over there. Amen. Amen. It's strange that you said that. He stayed with me for a year. <laughs> That's right, ain't it? That's right. 
And I, I, I was, I wasn't wide open when you was there. You put it wide. Well, <laughs> but I'm telling you, you didn't see it all because I was kind of calm. But I'm telling you this morning, I'm looking for Jesus any minute. You said, well, he may not come today. May not. Is that going to make me quit preaching it? No, sir. Why? He promised me. He said, I'm coming. I'm going away. And if I go away, I'll come again to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. John chapter 14, red lettered. Amen. As I looked up into heaven. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazed up into heaven? This same Jesus that went up will like will 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 come also. Come back also, bro. He's coming back. This same Jesus. This same Jesus. Where's he at? Tell me. Where's he at? He's in my heart with, with the Holy Spirit, but actually, where is he sitting? At the right hand of the Father tonight, today. When the Father says, Son, it's time to go get my children, he said, It's time for me to go get my bride. I'm going. And he's coming back. Hallelujah. Your head's bowed. I'll spare you. May God help you. I hope I'll give you something to help you. I asked God when I got here to give me something. That would enlighten the people to help them. I had no axe to grind. Don't have no axe to grind. Don't like, don't like to give you anything but the truth. And I believe that's all I'd give you this morning. But you better believe Jesus when He said you must be born again. You know what He means by that? You know what it means when Jesus says you must be born again? He means ye must be born again. Stand. 357 in the blue book. Have I